0: Welcome back. I am here to tell you, you are going to love this episode if you have a toddler. Today, I have a co-host. My co-host is Easton. Easton, how are you today? (laughs) Good. Guess what I did. (laughs) I interviewed a toddler expert. (laughs) Toddler expert? Yes, a toddler expert. And we talked about power struggles. Power struggles? Yes, and tantrums. Struggles? (laughs) Yes, tantrums, and she taught me all about how to communicate with you so that we're both happy. What do you think about that? Um, happy? Yeah, we're both going to be happy, and you're going to win, and I'm going to win. Yep. (laughs) All right, so today I'm super excited to interview my actual guest, not my co-host, who, she's a little flighty, I never know what she's really going to say, huh, girl? (laughs) So today on the show, we have Devin Kutzman. She is the original toddler parenting coach and the founder of Transforming Toddlers. As a toddler expert, her mission is to transform the myth that toddlerhood is terrible, which honestly I love because we do kind of label our kids that way when they're being crazy or we don't know how to deal with them. And her point is, no, you're just not understanding how to deal with them. It's not that they're out of control. It's that they're learning. And so I love the way she phrases that. Devon has built a community of nearly half of a million parents and caregivers across the world who are committed to transforming their parenthood, their toddler's behavior, and their overall experience of toddlerhood while creating a foundation and relationship with their child that actually lasts a lifetime. She also hosts an annual Transforming Tolership Conference, and she holds a degree in psychology, child development, and is an ICF certified coach. She's also lived in three different continents, and she has spent her time as a coach of children, a high-profile nanny, and the director of an orphanage in Rwanda. When she isn't working with parents or toddlers, you can find her on a yoga mat or riding her bike. She was such a joy to talk to. I'm not going to lie. I was super nervous for this interview because I was like, oh, I'm a bad parent. All my bad parent skills are going to come out, even though I really try as a mom. And and just like I just did, what did I do? I labeled myself. I thought, "Oh my gosh, she's going to see that I'm not great at mothering my toddlers." And in our home right now, we have two toddlers. She works with ages 1 through 5, and I have a 3-year-old and a 5-year-old. So, I loved working with her. She brought down my, you know, walls and was able to talk to me about some really important things, and I think you're going to love this interview. I learned a lot in it, and it made me view the way my toddler and I communicate and how situations go so much differently than I had been. Get a pen, get a piece of paper and listen closely because you are going to transform your relationship with your toddler listening to Devin today. All right, let's get into it, but first, as always, if this episode is helpful, please don't forget to share it wherever you have social media, with friends, with family. Anytime we can share the podcast and spread important, good, effective news and information, it's going to help us in general as a community, so please share away. Also, if you are not subscribed to the podcast, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen, so every Wednesday, the episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your phone. Today's show sponsor is Viore. This is actually a company that I chased down because my husband and myself, we both love their clothing line. They are an athletic clothing line, but their stuff is such high quality and we've both really enjoyed the products that we buy from them. I'm seriously not kidding when I say their stuff is so freaking comfortable and it looks so good. So I'm obsessed with their daily jogger. And when I mean daily, I mean it because I love living in joggers. They're high-waisted. They don't slip. I hate when I have to pull on my pants or adjust them so they're super comfortable that way. And they have a drawstring. My husband has worn their clothes actually for years. He's the one that introduced them to me. And he owns, I think, every color of their shorts because he's like, I can wear them in any activity. I can wear them out. I can wear them to the gym. I can wear them to play sports. And he just loves them because they stay really high quality. Even after washes, they just look really good. And the best news is you get 20% off anything on their site. It's super easy to navigate their site. You're going to go to viori.com, So it's vuor icom slash simple. So it's vioricom slash simple, 20% off. And if you buy anything in the USA over $75, you get free shipping and free returns. That is so easy. You can buy whatever you want. And then if you're like, this doesn't fit, you can just send it back. And I don't doubt that you're going to love it. So again, it's viori v-u-o-r-i dot com slash simple My name's Andrea Allen and I am a mother of four girls under seven, a wifey to a mountain man, a personal trainer, and a nutrition coach. I love all things women's health and fitness, but let's face it the fitness industry is complicated and it's not built for the everyday mom there's so much conflicting information, and you're busy, and you don't have time to figure it out. I hate feeling confused and overwhelmed, so I've made it my mission to simplify health and fitness while creating a welcoming, realistic, and empowering home for like-minded women. I'm happy you're here, and I hope you stay a while. Hey, Devin. I am so so excited for you to come today. I'm not going to lie. Last night, I was like giddy before I went to bed. I was like, I can't wait to talk to her. She's going to get my life right with my toddlers. (laughs) So I'm so glad you're here.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. You know, I'm passionate about the toddler years and supporting parents and caregivers to overcome the challenges. So here I am.
0: (laughs) Yes. Okay. So we are going to get into as much as we can possibly to help You know, me, of course, as I'm in this arena as well and need the help and all the listeners about like how we can deal with these toddlers because they, man, they are unpredictable (laughs) and it makes it pretty tricky. So let's start with you telling us about yourself and how you got into this field and exactly what you do. Absolutely. So I'm Devin Kunzman. I'm a toddler expert. I'm an ICF certified
1: coach and the founder Transforming Toddlerhood. And I started Transforming Toddlerhood about four years ago when I noticed there was just a huge gap in the information out there. Everyone was talking about like the first year, babies, and then school-age children, but there wasn't anyone out there talking about the toddler years, especially on Instagram. So I'm the original toddler parenting coach on Instagram, and I created Transforming Toddlerhood to really um, fill that gap and to dispel the myth that toddlerhood is terrible. And every day at Transforming Toddlerhood, I work to empower parents and caregivers to overcome the challenges, nurture their little one's development, and create confidence in their parenting skills using positive, respectful, developmentally appropriate tools and strategies. And so that's what I'm passionate about. And that's what I'm here doing every
0: day. I love it. I love it. When I first found Devin on Instagram, I think I stalked you for like an hour. And I I looked at every post and I was like, oh, no, yes, I should do that. Oh, I do that wrong. (laughs) It was fascinating to me. So I was like, I have to have her on. Toddlers, they're They are so, I swear they make them so cute because in my mind they can be so hard, but I realized that is a lack of tools in knowing how to deal with them on my part, if that makes sense. And so... I want to talk to you about. Let's get started with like power struggles. Like, how do you deal with a toddler in power struggles when you want them to do something and they clearly don't want to do what you want them to do?
1: Well, power struggles are super common in the toddler years. And this is part of what makes toddlerhood so challenging because babies really relate to themselves as an extension of their parents and caregivers. And then when your little one starts to be able to walk and explore, a whole new world opens up to them and they start to realize that they are a separate individual that they can interact with the environment as their own person. So overarchingly the toddler years are really just about your little one becoming an individual and developing a sense of self and that is what a lot of behavior is pointing to especially power struggles. This is why it's also so challenging because you have an agenda, your toddler has an agenda and those two agendas knock up against each other. They never
0: overlap, I swear they never do. No, no,
1: because toddlers Are wired, even if your toddler wants to agree with you. And it, oftentimes we'll find that if we back off and give a toddler space, they'll actually do the thing that we want. But in that moment, toddlers are developmentally driven. Their developmental drive to be an independent individual is so strong that they will get locked in a power struggle, even if they, you know, want the spaghetti or want to go outside or whatever the thing is. But in that moment, they're saying they don't want to because. It's just their developmental drive, like takes over all logical thinking and common sense, which also logical thinking isn't really well developed in the toddler years because that part of the brain isn't very mature. So the number one thing about power struggles I always say is it takes two people to be in a power struggle. You and your toddler. So the fastest way to get out of a power struggle is to choose not to engage in it. Now, I don't mean just give in and do whatever your toddler wants. That's one way to not engage with it. But we have to find an effective way to get out of the power struggle and not perpetuate it when it's going on. But you know what? Sometimes we just go into survival mode too, and then we find ourselves trying to win. But then I'm like, what what am I trying to win right now? Because it feels like no one's winning.
0: <laughs> it's so so true, it is so true, and that you forget like it does take two people, yeah. and sometimes you start to be like, "I'm the parent, I'm the mom, I'm," the- <laughs> and you have to do what I want. But you're right in that like they're a human being, they have opinions, and the problem is they're not fully developed, which makes it complicated in figuring this out. So, what kind of strategies do you do when you're in that like exhausting cycle, and especially as moms, we get burnt out, and then we give in, and then we're mad we gave in. So what are some easy strategies that we can like work on to get out of this power struggle that seems never ending?
1: Oh my gosh, right? Like sometimes it can just seem never ending. So I think the first thing to do is, first of all, I want to say that there's not one strategy that works every time. So we have to look at different tools and strategies and kind of assess the situation, try them out, see what might work in these moments. And when I mean work, I don't mean like, get to the outcome, the specific outcome we want every time. When I say work, I mean, it works for your child and for you. And sometimes we forget that because we're so focused on just getting them to listen or quote unquote, like creating obedience that we forget like, oh, wait, like the real definition of something working is it's meeting my child's needs and it's meeting my needs because parenting is a relationship and every relationship is a two-way street.
0: That's a really good point that we don't often think about. So
1: I just wanted to preface my response with that just to get us thinking about how we might kind of step a little bit outside of the box. um, It's not about us controlling
0: them. It's about us learning to work with them so they work Mm -hmm. back with us. So it's a give and take. Right. Yeah. You forget as parents, you sometimes think like it's about me being the boss or me just not being the boss, but me disciplining or me showing you or me. You know what I mean? Being in charge. But you're saying, no, it's it's about a give and take and figuring out what's working. And that's that's really something you're right. You kind of almost have to shift your mindset before you're able to, I think, adjust to some of some new styles of parenting that sometimes we don't think about because it's not it doesn't come second nature to us, you know.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely, because it wasn't what was modeled to us as kiddos. But no,
0: no, totally. And this
1: is the thing. So, you know, what we're talking about here, like the word I feel like we're kind of skirting around is partnership. And so there is partnership in parenting. Um, it's something you do with your child, not to your child. However, um, it's still our job to be in charge. Now, it doesn't mean... We're in control because we can't control another being, and it doesn't mean that our toddler in control because, well, toddlers really want a sense of control, yet they're not necessarily qualified to be in full control of their lives. So we have to find a way to be in charge and still work with them in partnership. And the real goal here is to teach them skills. To teach them skills that are going to te- that are going to help them develop that self control versus. Being the one who's externally controlling and managing them, but this is a long game and this is a long road and it doesn't happen overnight. So when we're looking at power struggles, we want to just slow down, take a step back and get curious and ask ourselves, whew okay, so what is behind this behavior? Like, is my child looking for a sense of control? Are they trying to feel powerful? Do they want to feel capable? Um, you know, are they feeling really tired? Are they really hungry? Like, just reminding ourselves, like, okay, this kiddo has some feelings and some needs that um, are below the surface and driving this behavior. So from there, When we step back and get curious, it just creates a little bit of space and allows us to calm down and get grounded and realize it's not an emergency. And we're going to be able to respond a lot better when we're not in emergency response mode. Then sometimes some different strategies that work with power struggles um, would be saying first and then then. So um, or when and then when you brush your teeth, then we can read a story. Sometimes though, we still stand and wait for a toddler to comply and they need us to actually move forward and be the leader. Mm -hmm. So this might look like I'm going to go um, get the books ready and then you walk out and get the books ready.
0: And you're leaving them in control of brushing their teeth. Exactly. And they're either going to do it
1: or they're going to follow you in a couple of minutes into the room, and then you get to say, oh, are you ready to read books? Okay, let's go get those teeth brushed. And then you go back to the bathroom, and you might say, okay, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first, or something like that. And then, of yeah. course, you can always go back and do the thing again. But guess what? When your child sees that you're serious in a calm way and are moving forward to something fun, they're going to do it you know um they're yeah. more likely to do it same with leaving you know um when it's time to go like you're leaving the house to go somewhere you might and they're like don't want to go you might be like okay well it's time to go and so let's go and then you're not saying i'm going to leave you here if you don't <laughs> if you have definitely you, done that before <laughs> okay, we don't do that but what you might do is like grab your like um diaper bag and like your purse and go put it in the car and then come back and get them or, you know, really like start moving forward, you know. Um, and so when a toddler sees you moving forward, they're more likely to come join you. But if you're waiting on them to make the first move,
0: you might be waiting a long time. <laughs> yeah. I like the win and then because it's almost saying, I don't know if my word's going to be right, but you're almost saying you're going to get to read a book, which you enjoy when you brush your teeth. So the when and then almost like helps them see the road rather than brush your teeth right now. You know what I mean? It's time to brush your teeth. There's no like, I don't want to say reward or is it a reward of like, when you brush your teeth, then we get to read a book.
1: Well, what we're doing is we're, We're working with a child's um, intrinsic motivation here. So what we want to do is we want to stack the day in a way that gives a child motivation to move forward with it. So like if all of a sudden after dinner, it's like, okay, bath, teeth, potty, you know, in bed. It's like, well, what motivation is there to do any of that if nothing fun happens? But if you put in some time to play, some time to read books and things like that, and stack the day in a way that gives them some motivation to move forward, it's super helpful, which is different than saying, if you put your shoes on, I'll give you uh,
0: some gummy bears. Okay, That's more of like a bribe, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. It's almost like pointing out that you do some of those things, like you'd read a book at night before you go to bed, which is a fun thing, but pointing that out in an order that they see, oh, it's it's a progression. Yeah, exactly.
1: Okay. Yeah, that so that's one sense. great strategy to use um, to disengage from a power struggle, that and just making sure that you're moving forward instead of waiting on your child to like make the first move.
0: Okay, perfect. Any other strategies to help us out in case people are like, I tried that, didn't work.
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, if you tried it once and it didn't work, you need to practice it because That's toddlers, true. it's
0: true. You never learn right. anything overnight.
1: <laughs> yeah, you never, you never like, I, I would never say like any of this, none of this is one and done. So you're right. You're right.
0: Thank you for pointing that you out. You need to try
1: it a few more times and then look and ask yourself, okay, what's not, what's working about this? What's not working about this? And then make some tweaks from there. But another thing that can be, Um, really supportive um, when it comes to power struggles is giving choices. Choices can be a great thing. So it gives um, a child a sense of control. Um, So that can be super helpful. Um, And so I would say like my main, my top three would be when and then moving forward and just putting the ball in the child's court and moving forward with like what's happening and then giving choices because all of these are really working on giving a child a sense of control and a sense of power which is what they're looking for from the power struggle and if you have an older top right because it's a power
0: struggle and you're right it's what they want they want to win so it's like give them an opportunity to win while you win at the same time
1: within your boundaries yes within your boundaries that's the key Yes, exactly. You got it.
0: (laughs) I know. It takes me a second.
1: (laughs) Oh, no, this is great. You totally got it.
0: (laughs) And that makes sense. So like avoiding like yes, no questions then, like how do you handle those where it is something where you do need to do a yes, no?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, this is the thing where we sometimes, um, you know, unknowingly set ourselves up into a situation that we like didn't plan for because sometimes we'll say something like, are you ready to go take a bath? or do you want to eat lunch. Well, a toddler is probably going to say no because everything they're doing is probably way more fun than having to like switch what they're doing and go focus on something else. Yes. Especially when bath time typically is like all right, like end of the day, fun's ending. So yeah. One thing that I recommend, um, sorry, I'm going to get to the yes and no, but I just want to throw this out there just to show us how we can also use how we stack in the day or the rhythm of the day to our advantage. Say that you're struggling with bath time, try doing bath time before dinner. Now you might be like, oh my gosh, like my child is just going to be covered in pasta sauce and then what? Well, Give them a washcloth, wipe them off. If there's too many stains on their shirt, on their pajama shirt, put on a different one and mm-hmm. move forward. Because sometimes just changing the order of events can, you can find something that works way better for your family
0: as well. Okay. No, that actually makes sense because that's even as adults, sometimes people will say, I mean, for me, well, working out in the morning doesn't work for me. Well, let's try a different time then and see if that works for you. So that makes sense to me that sometimes you have to play with the schedule to find the schedule that actually is a fit, exactly, exactly.
1: Versus like this is what someone told me to do, or this is what yeah, you know my friends do, I or see, the neighbors yeah. do, or
0: you know uh, the, the parenting coach online recommended. So yes, okay, that actually makes <laughs> sense. So if you're having a, a power struggle over something traditionally or regularly then maybe changing the schedule order mm-hmm. might be more effective can be super helpful and it's also effective not to ask a yes or no question
1: unless no is actually an option and so sometimes we just uh, like ask it more rhetorically mm-hmm. and, but then a toddler says no because we're giving them that option so we really oh, want I think to, I do that a lot just I have it like rhetorical you, like you're like making conversation but they're <laughs> right you're like, oh, wait, no was actually not an option within my boundaries. Now what? Circle yes or
0: no, but not the no. That's actually not a choice.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So it's just that just noticing um, those nuances in our language can help us um, just be more effective and create just less power struggles and less challenges along the way. So it's not that asking a yes or no question is wrong or bad or you're failing or if you do this, it's just that it might not be as effective as saying it's time for a bath do you want to play with your toys for five more minutes or are you ready to go up now? And then they say five more minutes and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, it's been five minutes. Should we clean up this tower or should we um, clean up the extra blocks but save the tower for tomorrow? I don't know, something like that. So now we're giving them a sense of control with cleaning up. But then if in the end they're like, just really not having it and don't want to. Sometimes we have to say, I hear you. You really don't want to go upstairs now and it's time. And I see you're having trouble going upstairs and I'll help you. I'm going to pick you up and carry you up. And then you pick them up and carry them up. Because in the end, when we set a limit, we need to follow through. But we want to try to support a child as best we can to meet the limit and use the least amount of... um you, you know, um, the least amount of, I don't want to say force, but like the, the least amount of, um, intervention to okay. help them follow
0: it. So we are going to get into tantrums, but I'm going to say, I feel like picking them up would then lead into a tantrum, but it we
1: absolutely. Yeah. Cause I, will because cause right when you said limit. that, I
0: thought I instantly pictured myself going up my own stairs. <laughs> toddler and she's losing her mind. (laughs) Exactly. Well, do you want to chat about that now or do you want to wait? Let's go go into it because instantly that's what I thought. I thought, oh, but then I'm going to pick her up and she's going to lose it. And then before I know it, I'm washing her in a frantic disaster because she's screaming in the tub and it like totally backfires. So yeah, let's go into tantrums. Yeah, this is so great. So
1: um, we're just going through like the full cycle of a common challenge that parents have. And so- And I know
0: I asked- Online, when I, you know, I said I was going to interview, my followers were so excited. And this is what they said. How do we handle these meltdowns? You know, like these tantrums are so hard and they Mm -hmm. get so deep into it. I think that the thing that we have to remember is that it's
1: our job to set the limit. It's our child's job to test the limit. Uh, toddlers are experimenters, explorers, they're little scientists. They're going to test mm-hmm. the limit until they understand, okay, this is the limit, and then they're going to learn It's a learning on. style. Exactly. Yeah. It's part of their process of learning. Then it's our job to follow through on the limit, and it's their job to have A reaction to it. It's our job to support them with that emotional and sometimes physical reaction because, you know, big emotions lead to big behaviors. And then it's their job to accept the limit. We cannot make them accept the limit, but we can support them. We can soothe them. We can be there for them. And when children notice that we follow through consistently, and by consistently, I don't mean every time. I mean, more often than not, When we, um, that's predictable that we're going to follow through, then the tantrums begin to subside because it becomes predictable and they're more accepting of it. But say, you're a little one, you've carried them upstairs, you told them you're going to, you've been as respectful as you can with that. And it's time to follow through on the limit. You
0: gave them choices all before, you know, you did all the things.
1: Right. And you like announced, like, I see you're having trouble. I'm going to help you. I'm going to pick you up and take you up to the bathroom. And so then you pick them up gently as possible, take them upstairs. They're probably going to cry because they just hit the limit. Because you just followed through on it. So now they're okay. having their their disappointment, frustration, all the things are coming up for them. So that's okay. In this moment, I wouldn't just stick them directly into the tub. I would actually, um, you know, sit with them on the floor, let them get it out because in the end, a tantrum isn't something bad. And I think that's where we have to shift our lens. It may feel bad for us in that moment, but it's not bad. It's a typical part of toddler development. And the way I like to relate to it is as an emotional release. So your child has to release those emotions to be able to come back to their emotional equilibrium. And they're going to come back to that emotional equilibrium faster. When we they have space to feel the emotions and we support them through it. And sometimes supporting them through it might just look like sitting there next to them, speaking intermittently and letting them release those emotions without it being good or bad. And then moving forward once they come off the peak of the tantrum. But putting them into the water in the middle of a tantrum is probably going to make it worse because okay. they feel like
0: even more... Um, out of control of their lives. You know, as you say that, it made me think about as an adult, sometimes let's say you're in an argument with another adult, you're in an argument with a spouse, partner, friend, whatever. Mm -hmm. And often when your feelings aren't validated, you are still upset. You can't make up until you often feel like you're validated. And so as you said that, I thought, That's the same thing for them. They don't feel validated if we're just throwing them in the tub and hurrying and doing it. If you let them get it out, you know, cry it out, they don't have the development to say as an adult would like, this is why my feelings are hurt and get the validation or explain. So they're just going to cry it out. And then that's their way of releasing it and moving on. When as adults, we can use our words. We can explain why something hurt our feelings, get the validation, talk it out and move on. But as a child, you're basically saying they don't have that developmental Ability yet, so this is a way that they are explaining themselves. Let them finish and then move on. Well,
1: this is what's so challenging because from like around one to four years old, toddlers are just constantly faced with two overarching contradictory needs. So, the mm-hmm. need, this drive to be an independent individual, to be their own person,
0: but okay. also
1: this drive to be um, attached to their safe and secure base because toddlers are really physically less dependent on us, right? They can do so many things for themselves physically, but emotionally they're still very dependent because they don't have the brain maturation and life skills to really regulate their emotions and in turn regulate their behavior. So they're relying on us for that help, so whenever we skip over their feelings and keep pushing forward, I mean, imagine like say your parenting partner, like I can just think of like my husband. Sometimes, like I feel like he's just trying to move forward when I'm still upset. Yeah. I'm like, don't you see me? And here yeah. I'm so upset right now. Stop <laughs> trying to move forward and pretend this is
0: fine. I'm not ready to make up. <laughs> this is not fine, <laughs> you know. As adult, we can recognize that, yeah, because yeah. I we've all been there where we're like, right. no, we're not moving on yet. We're still in this, right? <laughs> Right. So it really just asks us to
1: slow down. But here's the thing. We think that we're going to get it done and over with faster if we just plop them in the tub, even though they're still upset. But the thing is, is that this is what perpetuates the tantrum and can make that mood linger. Whereas if we just give the time and space for them to work through it and support them through it, then we're probably going to be done with that um, mood and that emotional release sooner and probably have a much more pleasant evening in the end.
0: You're right. It's like if you take the time on the front end, you know, 10, 15, however long it takes, it's going to be better than the three hours of where you say, my child was a hot mess all night because they never got out of it. And then the next three hours, it is just everything is emotions or crying or anger or not that jammies, this jammies. And then all of a sudden you have no control because I've been there before where I try to push them forward. Because they're still fighting for the control. Yeah. Right? I try to put them in the tub. I hurry and get them in the tub. Then I hurry and brush the hair. Then I hurry, you know, and I've done that. And you're right. It doesn't go away. It just. Cool last longer.
1: We all have. We've all been there. We've all done this. So everyone that's listening, like everyone has done this. I have done this. Like we have all done this. And it's again, not bad or wrong. It's just not as effective and really not going to allow you to have the experience you want of the evening. And sometimes kids are just tired and it is going to be harder for them to get over that, um, that tantrum. But we just want to look for ways to empower them, to give them a sense of control once they're past it. And guess what? We might have to bring in some playfulness. We might have to bring in their lovey, their favorite toy from downstairs, maybe two Legos that they were playing with, something like that. We might have yeah. to turn on their favorite music from our phones to kind of Uh, switch
0: the mood a little bit. It's almost like it takes a little work on the front end from you, but then on the back end, it pays off majorly. Exactly, but this
1: all starts, this all is possible once we reframe this idea that tantrums are bad or tantrums are manipulative to um, sometimes tantrums are strategic for a child to get their need met, or sometimes tantrums are just a child having trouble coping with their inability To have a sense of control, feel powerful, feel capable, or just do their agenda, or just you know, big feelings and emotions.
0: Uh, It is interesting to look at it that way. Like instead of just oh, they're just giving me a hard time. I saw a quote that you said uh, during a tantrum, a child isn't giving you a hard time. The child is having a hard time. They're trying to overcome themselves. And I was like, oh, it's not about us. Sometimes they're feeling something, and we've got to learn as adults to help them feel it out and and move them forward in a way that works for both of us. Exactly. Okay, so what about in public? Because I did get asked this a lot too, and I'm like, clearly, I don't know, because I've definitely had to take my kid out of the store screaming. (laughs) I'm super open. So, but what about in public when they have these meltdowns and you're in public? Like, how how do you handle that? Because I know part of it is, let's call it like it is, a lot of times we have fear of judgment of other people. And myself, I luckily... I don't have, this sounds funny, I don't have a lot, I guess you could say I have no shame. I don't really care when other people judge me, but I know a lot of people that makes them so uncomfortable. So how would you suggest if a child, you're at a park and the child, you know, you've given them the choices. You're seeing the power struggle is escalating. You've done all that. Then that turns into a tantrum and you're in public. Like, what do you do in that situation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's such a great question. So um, the first thing I just want to talk about is address the fear of judgment. So humans are curious by nature. So it's oftentimes true. what we construe as judgment, because people are looking, is oftentimes curiosity. But because we're already judging ourselves for being in the situation, how could we be so out of control. how could we let this happen? Then we also place that we we you know place that judgment on others. It like,
0: becomes an assumption. exactly. it becomes an assumption that is fascinating that you said that you're like, oh, it's, it's a lot of times we are assuming people are judging us. And they right. could actually be looking at us like, oh, I've been there. I'm so sorry for you. But we are assuming they're judging. Right.
1: Because we're probably judging ourselves. And people will look because humans are just curious by nature. Yeah. Um, So that's the thing. And if they are judging, like say they they are, or they even say something like just like unnecessary, unsolicited yeah. advice, whatever, it's... The important thing to remember is that it's about them. Their feelings and emotions are about, are based on their experience, their interpretation, their past experiences. It has nothing to do with you and your child, who you are and what you're doing. It has to do with that person's life experiences and what they have learned about situations like this. It has nothing to do with you.
0: I love that, to just realize that's separate, that doesn't matter, that doesn't affect you or your child, and just deal with your child in that moment. So what do you do in the moment? (laughs)
1: Yes, So in the moment, there's a couple of things to do. You know, when it comes to a tantrum, when the child's already in a tantrum, I just say, like, you never want to stop a tantrum that's already happening. Um, Now – ideally, but guess what? Sometimes your bandwidth is going to be low. Sometimes you're just going to be like, I'm in survival mode. I just can't do this right now. So if you decide to give in, if you decide to appease your child, it's not bad or wrong. Now you, it's not also super effective. It may reinforce the behavior because your child learns, oh, when this happens, plus this, then this is the outcome. Because they're learning. File that away. Yeah. your strategy for getting needs met, not manipulation, but here is one way to get these needs met. So that being said, it's okay if you do it sometimes because being consistent is about it's predictable that more often than not, it doesn't mean 100% of the time. So if you have to do that for your own sanity once in a while, it's not the end of the world. Um, however, it's also not allowing your child to have that emotional release as well. So you might notice it pops back up in 30 minutes and then the tantrums even stronger and longer, but that's okay. You might be in a better place in 30 minutes or an hour. So that's okay too. But ideally, if we are just going to like be able, if we have the bandwidth and we can fully accept it, then what we would do is, um, instead of stopping the tantrum, we want to make sure the child is safe. We want to make sure that once we establish that they're safe, that we can tell ourselves this is not an emergency. Ground ourselves once we realize okay, there's there's a perceived threat, but there's not a real threat here. Um, and then sometimes for a child to calm down, um, we need to switch. We need to switch environments. So sometimes it might mean like abandoning your your cart. Um, at the front of the store and just getting out for some fresh air, holding your child and walking around, going back to the car for a moment. And sometimes you may come back from that cart and you may not. Um, or if you're at the park, sometimes you may just need to like move to another area or, you know, maybe there is like the bathrooms, you need to go to the bathroom and maybe splash some cold, get some cold water for, get a drink or something. But it's just, um, about supporting your child and whatever way that they need. And typically toddlers need us to be nearby, but don't want to be touched when they're at the peak of their tantrum. They need some words of encouragement, but sometimes when we talk too much, they scream more. So it's about understanding your child, what stage of the tantrum they're at and, But you can always leave if you need to and come back like that you do. In those moments, you have to do what's best for you and your child. And that can mean something different to everyone.
0: So sometimes letting them experience it in that moment and not dragging them out or like sometimes just switching the scene. It
1: depends on what you can handle. So if you can handle your child having their tantrum, because this is the thing. We often think tantrums last forever, but most tantrums are actually less than five minutes.
0: You're right. And it feels like eternity. (laughs) It feels like
1: eternity. So if you have the bandwidth to ride it out, you've been practicing at home and you're like, okay, I can do this at the store. Great. Ride it out. Like, because those other people don't matter and your child's right. going to get through it. You're going to support them. It's going to be fine. Now, if your child's thrashing around and about to hurt themselves and tearing everything off the shelves, you may have to pick them up because you have to make sure they're
0: safe. Okay. That makes sense about being safe. Like you're, yeah, they're being destructive and it's not safe. Exactly. It's
1: not safe. So that's why it's let it happen, create the safety, but to you might also just have to go outside, but it's up to you. It's really about. Your capacity to be with those big feelings and emotions will inform, can we stay here and ride this out? Or do we need to leave and change environments? Uh, just leave shortly and then come back in when the tantrum's over? Do Am I going to distract them with my phone or give them a snack or something like this? Again, it's not the most effective strategy long term, but sometimes we're in survival mode, and we do our best and so as long as it's not every time, it's not going to be the end of the world
0: i love I love what you said because a you said first ground yourself, and I think about that right, as you said that too, you know, when you're trying to decide, do I write it out, do I take them out? you know when you're thinking, you did say first ground yourself, and I think I think in those situations a lot of times they elevate, then I elevate, then they elevate, then I elevate, and your point is take a step back, get curious, ground yourself, and then decide, are we writing it out? Am I taking them out? Is my capacity, I'm so burnt out that I'm going to give in this one time and decide if that's a better fit than, you know, trying to um, take them out or whatever it is. So that's kind of, I think, important that sunk in for me in this moment that I'm like, before I respond, I have to calm myself and think about what's right for my response and my child's response in that moment. Because if I respond snap judgment, it's going to be all hell's going to break loose in the store and, <laughs> and it doesn't go well. So I love that you made that point that I don't know if I've ever thought about that first ground myself, then address the tantrum.
1: Yeah. This is what I call creating safety in the way that the really, you know, positive parenting, they talk about this pause. I'm like, ha, what is this elusive pause? How do we get there? And what I realized as I created my method for supporting parents with challenging behavior and getting through these moments is that we have to first create the Physical safety. We have to actually make sure our child's safe and we are safe. And actually, some parents might not feel safe in a public environment until they go outside or until they get to the car. So you're going to have to decide what it means for you to feel safe in that moment. But Mm -hmm. first, we start with the physical safety of everyone. Once Mm -hmm. the physical safety is established, you can literally say to yourself, My child is safe. I am safe. This is not an emergency. And we can start to um, disrupt that emergency response mode, that stress response, that biological reaction that we have and start coming back to the present moment instead of jumping on the emotional roller coaster with our child. And it's not going to look perfect every time and it's going to take practice. But I always say practice makes progress, not perfection.
0: That makes sense. And even as you said with the bath time, it might be, you know, like you said, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, but it's going to be better than if we just instantly force through the tantrum and then for the next three hours... (laughs) everything's out of control. So it's taking a step mm-hmm. back, thinking it through, making a choice and, and moving forward basically, yeah. which is, which does take some mental capacity for the adult, you know? Does, so yeah,
1: that's why it doesn't have to be perfect. This is why I say, you know, it's, it's about more often than not, it's predictable. That's my definition of consistency.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah. Because you do feel like, oh, I didn't do it perfect. And you're like, you don't have to do it perfect. You just want to be, you know, semi-consistent going in the right direction. Exactly. I love that. We're all humans. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's so tricky. So I have a question for you because we talked about choices. And, you know, as a parent, I have four kids. So I've read a decent amount of parenting books. My husband is actually sometimes can be more patient than I am. And anyway, we were reading Love and Logic, you know, Parenting with Love and Logic, And you know, they talk about choices and you brought up choices, which is why I wanted to bring this up. So they talk about choices, give them choices. Do you want to wear this red shirt or this blue shirt? Do you want this or that? And I had, I was on the way to the gym with my girls and they're not allowed to bring toys into the gym. So in my brain, I thought, okay, I'm going to be such a good parent. I'm going to give her a choice. So we don't have like a tantrum at the gym or a power struggle. And I was like, do you want to bring? She had like a purse. She brings a purse everywhere. She's a hoarder. She's a tiny three-year-old hoarder who has like (laughs) 20 bags everywhere we go. And I was like, do you want to bring your three purses? Because she had three do you want to bring your three purses and leave them on the outside of the gym in the lockers? Or do you want to leave them in the car? And I thought in my mind, like, I, this, I am such a good parent. I'm doing it right. I'm giving her choices. And she looks at me like stone cold and is like, I don't want to do. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that didn't work out the way that I thought it would. I don't want to do. I gave her two choices. She chose neither of them. And I had no idea what to do in that moment because I was like, that's that wasn't in the book. When they choose neither of the choices, that, w- that wasn't an option. Right. So what do we do in those moments where we think, okay, I'm trying to give them choices. I'm trying to avoid the power struggle. I'm trying to avoid the tantrum. I gave them the choices and they said, I don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. What happens when real life happens? I know. I literally right? wanted to be like, the book didn't tell me an answer for this.
1: Right, exactly. Right. I like to call this what happens, what do we do when choices backfire? Yes, that's how I felt. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's going to backfire and that's okay. And I like to think of it not so much as it backfiring, but we haven't we we oftentimes think that we're at we're at A, we mm-hmm. offer the choice, then we should be at Z. We should be at okay. the solution. But what actually happened in this situation is that you're at A, you're at the beginning, you offered the choice and then you're at like D or yeah. F, right? You weren't all the way at the outcome, but we expect ourselves to be. And when we're not, then we're like, oh gosh, this didn't work. Scrap that. What are we going to try now? When actually you were still in the process. That's how I relate to this. Oh, okay. So let me give you a couple of tips here. So yeah, there's a couple of ways that this can go when this happens. Typically, one thing I like to do with kiddos is – well, get curious. Talk about this a lot. I think curiosity is one of our most powerful parenting tools, and it's something we have with us all the time. So it's just about accessing it. So in this moment, I might say something like, oh, you don't want to do got it. Well, uh, what's your idea? Something like that.
0: Oh, okay. So you put it back in their court to make a choice.
1: Exactly. To feel powerful oh. or at least to understand a little bit more. Now you don't have to agree to whatever they say because you still get to be in charge. This You still have to come up with something within your boundaries, but now your child's going to feel seen and heard and you're okay. going to understand what they're thinking. And this works better with Um, older toddlers, like three and four years old. However, you can start working on this with Um, Mm two-year-olds. But, you know, because... Even if they can't fully respond, they might be able to, like verbally, they might be able to point and you're also just creating a habit of communication. So, um, but what you might want to do is say, okay, well, what's your idea? And she might have some idea and you're like, okay, great, let's do that. Or you might be like, oh, that's a good idea, except we can't blah, 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 you know, whatever like the boundary is. Okay. But I wonder if we could do this. So maybe you build on
0: their idea. or you So you're almost giving them a else. new choice based on yes. their idea. So you're still – so part of my issue, if I'm understanding, was that I gave the choice and then she didn't respond the way I wanted. So then I was like, oh, scrap that new idea. And you're saying you reword it, ask some questions, and give them a new choice. Yeah, exactly. Because you oh, might create okay. something. Or your child just might come up
1: with – like have a great idea that you didn't yeah. think of. Because this is the beauty of parenting, we uh, mentioned partnership before, and this is the beauty of parenting as a child gets older, is that we're able to involve them more as a partner. Yes, you're still in charge. Yes, you still have to make sure that whatever is decided is within your boundaries because you want it, the goal is to meet your child's needs within your boundaries. However, you get to take the pressure off. You don't have to solve everything on your own, but yet we we put all this pressure on ourselves to have all the answers. But when we practice partnership with a child, then they get to be part of the solution. They get to um, really work with us. And then a child is probably going to be more um, agreeable and amenable when they feel part of the solution and working on their problem solving skills. So this is where you say like, oh, well, what's your idea? Or gosh, I hear you don't want to do. And here we are, we're at the gym and we're not allowed to bring in toys. So what can we do about that? I wonder how we can solve this.
0: You know, so that's another okay. way of doing it. Yeah. And then let her respond. And if she doesn't necessarily have a real answer, because sometimes they don't, then you almost give them a new option of most of the time. I feel like she would say, no, I want to take them in. And mm-hmm. I would say, and so you almost need to maybe even just repeat your option. Like, cause you're trying to set a boundary you mentioned, you know, like you're yeah. not allowed to have toys in there so would you like to carry them in maybe word it different carry them in and place them in the cubby or stand in the entry and play with them for a few minutes and then give them to me like something like that where you're still saying the same thing but you're wording it different
1: yeah absolutely you definitely could do that you could also sometimes they just once they feel seen and heard and feel like they have a voice then they'll be able to make a choice From there, from the original choices, or maybe they'll come up with an, an idea like, oh, I'll tuck them into the car seat, or maybe it's like, oh, let's bring them into the locker and let's bring this blanket and tuck them in so they can take a nap you know, okay. I wonder yeah, if you okay. could do that. So maybe you like make it playful or into a game. There's not necessarily a perfect solution. This brings me to like the second route that this could go. So say you've tried to work with your child, like, let's just bring it to like, um, choose like, do you want the red shirt or the blue shirt? And they're like, okay. no shirts. And I don't like any of them. Like, okay. Well, what's your idea? And then they're like looking at all the shirts, but they don't actually pick something. And then you can just tell that, you know, they're just not going to pick something. So this is where you might, have to follow through on the limit and say something like, I get it. Well, today mommy's going to pick and then you can try, um, again tomorrow. Okay. And then you pick it and you move on. Um, or like, say you're like, ask your kid, do you want an apple or a banana? And they're like, well, I want mangoes. And like, Oh my, we don't have any mangoes. What can we do about that? Well, I bet we could put it on the grocery list, and then, um, and then you know move on from there. Which maybe they don't eat any fruit, or maybe they choose something else. You know that you. But it's still giving
0: them power, feeling heard. Like, oh, okay, she she said she's going to do this. She'll put it on the grocery list, so they still feel heard, especially the ones who are old enough to comprehend that. I feel like my three-year-old could comprehend that. Oh,
1: yeah. Three and four-year-olds definitely can do this. Two-year-olds, it depends. Some two-year-olds can. Some aren't quite ready there. Um, But, you know, we just have to work with them as best as possible and look at like, oh my gosh, how can we meet their need within our boundaries? And so this is some of the things that you can do when choices backfire.
0: You know, even as you said that about choices, I remember hearing that when you're you know, in an argument with someone, I remember a therapist telling me one time when you're in an argument with someone, a lot of times if you repeat what they say so they feel heard, that then it makes sense. And what you're and what you're saying is the same thing. Repeat what they said. Ask them a question then about what they said. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that does. That would make them feel heard. It would give them a piece of the, you know, not the power struggle, but a feeling like they have control. Like you said, that's important. And I'm like, I don't think I ever do that. I think I'm just like, no, we can't do that. And I need to be better. And I think anyone could be better about making sure that they're validated by repeating it, giving them a chance to respond. So interesting, like things that I've never thought of that I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense.
1: <laughs> I just thought of something based on what you're saying as well is like in this moment, like your child probably is just feeling disappointed that they can't play with their toys or do the thing that they wanted. And so yeah. in that moment, you might just actually like get out of the car. Maybe they're like in their car seat, unbuckle um, them and just give them a big hug and say, oh, I know. You don't want to do any of these things. You wish, you wish that you could bring in all of your toys, bring them all into the gym and play with all of them while we're there. I understand. You wish you could do that. That's a really,
0: yeah, it's so simple, but yet it makes them feel like, yeah, that's what I feel, you know?
1: That's it. So then you might from there say, what are we going to do with your toys when we get done? when we're done at the gym, what are we going to play? Could we, you know, and then just like get them excited for what's going to happen after. So mm-hmm. then they have something to look forward to. It
0: might ease the pain of it a little bit as well. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause that was always a tricky one for me. Cause I've always been told give them choices, but then sometimes I'm like, choices don't work. But I'm realizing now it was that I didn't fully play out my cards with the choices and validating them at the same time.
1: Yeah, but you know what? This is like such a common mistake with choices because no one really talks about, well, what happens if they don't pick (laughs) one of the choices? Like, yes, I gave them two choices within my boundaries, but what if they reject the choices? Like, no one really talks about that.
0: I'm not gonna lie. I was so excited to ask you this question because when she did that, I was like, well, shoot, I don't know what to do now. Right, exactly. (laughs) So that makes total sense. So I kind of want to also talk about transitions because I know that's really hard for toddlers. And we talked about giving them choices, you know, and what to do when they have tantrums and power struggles. But sometimes I feel like transitions are really hard, moving them from point A to point B, you know, switching the activities. And obviously this can cause a power struggle and tantrums. But how can we handle a transition to prevent the power struggle or prevent the tantrum? Because... You know, that would be nice if we could do it without having to go down those roads. Yeah. (laughs) Like by our verbiage, like what are we saying? How can we word things in transitions to help ease, ease it in a little bit better to try to prevent the power struggles and such?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because this is the thing. We can kind of track these behaviors when there's power struggles, when there's tantrums, and ask ourselves what was happening in the five minutes before. So we can oftentimes see the trigger. So a lot of times like the tantrums aren't necessarily about the thing that's happening. They're releasing all the stuff that's built up since the last time they had this emotional release, but the thing that happened triggered them. So like saying no, that might trigger a tantrum, but it's not just about the fact that you said no, it's about all the other little things that kind of build up. So in these moments, we can um, kind of get to know their triggers and try to avoid the triggers when we um, are working with the child. So when it comes to transitions... Of course, um, the things that we talked about before, like the when and then, um, the taking the lead and moving forward can be really great for transitions. But other mm-hmm. things that can be helpful is before you make a request, um, let's just talk about maybe screen time.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. That's tricky because they, I yeah. feel like when you take it away, it's like, oh no, you better tie down the hitches on the house. <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. So I'm like, okay, let's just look at this one. Um, and then we'll look at another one with like playing. Um, okay. So with screen time, Uh, what you would do is like when there's a minute or two left in the show, you might sit down beside your child, kind of snuggle up next to them, get close. So you're starting to like create a connection, starting to slowly pull them out of this, um, this world that they've been so hyper-focused on, um, inside of the screen. So then when it ends, Um, you might say like, Oh, how was the show? What happened to so-and-so? You know, you might just like communicate with them a little bit. Um, and then you might say, okay, well, um, the show is over. So screen time is done. Would you like to turn it off or do you want me to? And they're like, no, (laughs) yes no (laughs) oh gosh you love coco melon you do not want to turn it off I know you love this show so much and we're going to watch it again this afternoon or tomorrow morning or whenever it is okay now it's time to turn it off do you want to turn it off or do you want mommy to no oh I know you're having a hard time turning it off I get it I'm going to help you this time. And then you turn it off. You might have a tantrum, but eventually you have to follow through on okay. um, on the limit that you set if the child's not able to. But in the, then they might be like, I wanted to, I wanted to. And you say, oh, okay, well, you can do it next time. And okay. you might even turn it back on and let them turn it off, you know, um, in exactly. that moment. But then I'm thinking about like, okay, what if a child's like playing and it's time to go do something else? I like to do this tool, this little tool called bridging the gap. Well, first of all, you know, it's great to give a child a warning, like, you know, not catch them off guard. Yeah, I've always heard that. Give them five minutes, give them whatever. Yeah, but some kids might need 10. They might need a little bit more, you know, Um, but then I like to bridge the gap. So basically, say it's time to go to dinner, let them bring like their car to the dinner table, but put it out of reach, but it's there with them. Or okay. if you have like some, you're using like some dupelo um, blocks or something, and it's time to take a bath, you bring a couple of them to the bathtub or a couple of them out to the car. So you try to, or to change the diaper or something like that. So you try to bridge the gap
0: by bringing part of the activity to the next activity. It's almost like co op, like a, um, where you cooperate, where you, you give and they give and you find a happy medium.
1: Yeah. It's just, it helps ease the transition if they don't have to fully cut themselves off from
0: the thing and go to the next thing. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. So I noticed you also said like, you know, sometimes they struggle with, When we say no, you know, and I've seen you post like to avoid words like stop and no. Why is that? Like, what can we focus on instead? Like if we're trying to transition a kid or if we're trying just simply to tell them to stop, like if they're doing a behavior we don't want them to do or they're upset or they're about to tantrum or whatever it is. We often say, stop doing that or no, you can't have that. Why do we need to avoid those words? Yeah. So
1: I, this is such a great question. And what I want to say is no and stop are not bad or wrong. And I'm not saying never use them, but what I'm saying is, is that we can overuse them. And when we overuse no, when we overuse, um, words like this, then kids start to drown them out because they hear it all the time and it loses its meaning. So no is such an important word and we, and and stop as well, because if your child's running towards, I don't know, a swimming pool, but they're not water safe or, or a pond or something like this, or running. Um, down the driveway towards the street, or something yeah. like this. Then we need these words to have value and have power. When
0: we when we say them, you want them to listen. You're right. right. And if we're overusing them, and I say stop, 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 it's like the boy who called who cried wolf. You're gonna get ignored. <laughs> yeah, they're just not listening to it anymore because yeah. it,
1: has, it doesn't hold any any power anymore because it's something they hear all the time and it just starts blending into all the
0: noise. Basically, that's yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So that's why I say that there, you know, we should use them less and we should look at other ways to communicate. So instead of saying, like, I don't know, stop running, you might say, Let's walk. So, you say the thing you want them to do instead of this thing that you don't want them to do.
0: Oh,
1: so, pointing that's, almost
0: to the positive behavior instead of exactly. the negative behavior in some ways.
1: Exactly. So, that's a, a way to um, transition out of that. Or, like with no, um, one tool I like to use with no is turning a no into a not yet. So, this might look like instead of saying, uh, No, you can't have ice cream, you might say something like, Oh, you love ice cream. I love it too. It's so delicious. Oh my gosh. And we can have ice cream this afternoon after oh. our nap or when we when we go outside and play. Instead of saying, no, you're not having ice cream, you turn to a not yet and you say, oh, you love this thing and here's when we're gonna have this
0: thing. So it's almost, again, validating their feelings, validating what they asked and then explaining, stacking the day. We will do this later. Mm-hmm. That's really, it's almost like, it's, it's almost like you know, know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so with a lot
1: of toddlers and a lot of toddler parents going through these same exact
0: struggles. We've all been there. It's funny because there is really an overlap between all of them where I'm like, oh, yeah, validating. Explaining stacking, <laughs> yes.
1: And so this is where you know when I'm working with my private coaching clients, I teach them my framework for challenging behavior, and they start to see the um, the similarities. And I put it together into a framework that allows parents to navigate. Um, you know, all of these challenging moments, because you're right, there are some similarities, there are things. So this is why, you know, there's that basic foundation that we need to um, really focus on and learn. And then from there, it's about applying it to all these different situations.
0: Yeah. And that is interesting to learn, like all of them kind of overlapped. And even with the no and the stop, again, you're focusing on the positive, and then you're also stacking. So it it all like kind of connects. Mm -hmm. I'm going to think about that, about the nonstop, because I do use, I know I overuse those words and I'm like, I wonder if they would have more meaning if instead I directed what I wanted them to do instead of what I was trying to stop them from doing, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's the same with like, be careful. And a lot of this is just like automatic and we don't notice, but like when we say be careful, like this is very vague and doesn't like actually mean anything to a child. Instead, we might say something like, look at where your foot is. Or um, pay attention to your hands. Or do you hear the cars? Sounds like we're getting close to the road. You know, so giving them more specific feedback instead of just saying, be careful. It's like, well, what does that mean?
0: And it it makes them use their senses too. So I would assume that would help them to develop. You know what I mean? Like, look at your foot. Do you hear? Can you see? You know what I mean? So then they start to develop an awareness rather than just saying, be careful which it's like what that like <laughs> right so now you're that's like a, an oblivious what does that even mean you know totally
1: so now a child starts to learn the skills they need to keep themselves safe instead of looking to someone outside them to constantly control and manage again oh, this is the difference wow. between like mm-hmm. creating self control or using like fear and dominance to create compliance you know like this yeah. is the difference
0: yeah yeah because then there's less discipline in general because they learn to recognize dangers you know what i mean because it's it's teaching them a skill
1: right and really discipline you know the root of discipline is to teach her to learn and so what are we teaching in the child learning self control the skills they need to create self control that's what we really want to get out of discipline is a child who learns how to control themselves even when they have big emotions and unmet needs. And that is something that cannot be learned through like fear and dominance and compliance. Oh,
0: I love that. And as you talk about big emotions, like, is there anything different? Because I know some people, I'll I'll see a toddler and I'm like, oh, she's so mellow and sweet. And then I have toddlers who, man, they've got some really big emotions. (laughs) Like, is there anything different about, you know, for parents who do feel like their toddlers are overrun with big emotions, anything they could do about that to help bring awareness or to help them or any advice on that? Cause I know that varies per kid. And I know, um, comparison is the thief of joy in general and every kid's different. We shouldn't compare, but how do we learn to deal with our own toddlers who seem to feel everything extremely strong. Exactly.
1: Well, you know, some children, it de- you know, depends on their temperament, their personality, but you're right. Every child's unique. And I think the first place to start is with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we want to start with looking at what is it that we can't be with and some feelings and emotions, which feelings and emotions make us uncomfortable Which Mm -hmm. feelings and emotions do we try to push away? Which feelings and emotions do we try to like keep close and kind of just noticing our own biases and what's the story about those feelings and emotions that we're uncomfortable with? Because toddlers are – and all humans are built to feel and express the full spectrum of feelings and emotions and um, that's what toddlers do without censorship. Yeah. Right? (laughs) But then somewhere along the way, they get messages, just like we did as we were kiddos, that some feelings and emotions are okay and others aren't. Mm -hmm. So then they start kind of hiding or pushing some of those down. So it really starts with us and our own work of like, okay, what is it that we can't be with about anger? What were we taught about anger as kids that makes us um, makes it challenging for me to be with anger now? And so kind of deconstructing some of those things and repairing ourselves in that way.
0: If you have a kid that shows anger a lot, how do you teach them? Like, I mean, I, mean, I guess that emotion is OK, but you're trying to teach them to control it or moderation or like how to handle that anger.
1: Yeah. So I think it's more about, so I totally hear your question. And I think what I would say is that, so from doing our own work to first of all, accept all feelings and emotions. Once we do that, we are able to get more curious. So we're able to ask like, okay, what's triggering this? What has my child feeling this way? You know, is it, some If they had too many changes and they are having trouble handling it, do they start a new school? Do they have a new sibling? Do they have um, maybe some type of uh, sensory sensitivity? Like what what's happening here? Um, but then also we can really start helping a child with their social, emotional um, awareness and education. So we can use tools like the Time In Toolkit from Generation Mindful to start helping children learn about their feelings and emotions and be able to, to identify it because, you know, you really want to be able to identify the feeling and emotion to be able to work with the feeling and emotion to be able to soothe it. And this is kind of that process. So the more that we can help children create their emotional, social, emotional awareness, the better they're going to be able to handle those feelings and emotions. And so it's really about getting curious and finding out what's at the root, soothing your child helping them re-regulate and um, just teaching them how to talk about their feelings and emotions.
0: And by re-regulate, would we bounce back to like, you know, the change of scenery, validating what they're saying, you know, talking things out, like some of the stuff we've talked about already by regulating.
1: Yeah. All the things. And one of the best ways that we can help um, a child regulate, especially a young child is by um, creating our own calm within and then sharing that calm. Because whenever we can be calm, and talk to them like this, then they're going to be able to deescalate because these little ones, they just don't have the brain maturation in their prefrontal cortex to be able to do this on their own. So okay. that's why I always say the work starts with us in terms of like, what is it that we can't be with, with uh, about this emotion and what's going on? Because if we're trying to push away an emotion, a child's going to feel it. And then they're totally. going to feel that energy and feel it disvalidated. So you know, it's not it's not a perfect science, but it's a process. But just yeah. know that no one's bad or wrong for having their feelings and emotions. Like we're all human, and we're all wired to feel them all.
0: And I love that you said it starts with us because I saw. Like I said, I love your social media handle. And I saw one time that you said toddlers are like mirrors. If we're always saying no, they're they're saying no. If we're always yelling, they're always gonna yell. And it made me be like, Oh my gosh, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and so it it does make sense that you're saying it starts with you. What are you uncomfortable with? What do you, you know, what do you show? How can you help your child do that? And so in a different way, like not exactly a you were explaining it, but it does kind of start with our abilities to handle our emotions and express our emotions and then helping them do the same.
1: Exactly. Because children learn so much from modeling and it's just, you know, for better or for worse, whether we like it or not, we are their um, most important teacher.
0: Yeah. Can you tell us, I know you have so much stuff. Like I, you have freebies and you have workshops. I want, I want to know, all the things you have, because I want to ask you so many more questions, but we're out of time. So can you kind of tell us what you have going on, what you teach, what you have that people can just find on your website and where to find you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the best place to find me is on Instagram at Transforming Toddlerhood. I also have my website, uh, transformingtoddlerhood.com. If you want to ask me a parenting question, I've partnered with a website called wisio, W-I-S-I-O.com where you go to that website and you type in my name, Devin Kuntzman into the search bar and you'll find my page. And there's a way for you to ask me a parenting question to get a response within five to seven days or to get a response within two days. And this is the best way for you to get your specific question answered. But aside from all that, I have some fabulous workshops, um, on my link bio, which will soon be on my website. Um,
0: I will add those links as well into my notes. So oh, as you explain great. them, I will put them all in the show notes so people don't even have to search. So as you explain them, everyone know I will put them in the show notes as well.
1: Oh, perfect. So um, we have the Setting Limits with Confidence workshop, which helps you set limits and follow through even if your toddler says no. The Effective Toddler Discipline workshops, um, there's two of them that go together that teach you the recipe for effective discipline and how to put it in action. And I created... Um, by popular demand, a workshop uh, called Toddler Meets Baby to help your toddler adjust to having a new sibling, uh, which is a very hot topic that people need a lot of support with. So you can find all of those There you can find my toddler parenting starter kit. And um, most of all, something exciting coming up in March is the fifth annual Transforming Toddlerhood Conference, where you can learn from me and 29 other experts in development, behavior and well-being um, to overcome all the challenges that you're facing with your toddler. And there's more information to come there as well.
0: Oh, I love that one. I will add the links for all those. And when that, t- when that conference comes up, I'll also put it in my social media because I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm going to sign up for it too. Yes. Cause I feel like there's so much that you can learn. And I went on and looked even at some, you had some free information about not, you know, words to use and you had workshops and so much that I was like there there are just so many resources here I was amazed.
1: Yeah, yeah, thank you. And we actually since we spent so much time talking about power struggles today, I have a free beyond power struggles and I have another free beyond alternatives a good job and so um and lots of other resources coming to you soon. So yeah, always check back and there is something for everyone. I'm just here to really um, help Parents and toddlers just have a more harmonious and joyous relationship. That's the real goal.
0: Yes. And as a parent of two toddlers, I am thankful you're here. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're right. There isn't a ton. There's almost a gap. There isn't a ton of information in this world or, you know, in this little arena of like one to five. Or if there is, I don't feel like it's as clear. And I've really appreciated that. I feel like your stuff is super clear in like going down and giving examples and some of that. So I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on to Devin. You are fantastic.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I love this
0: conversation and I'm happy to chat anytime. Awesome. Okay. Wow. Wasn't Devin amazing? Yeah, she's really good. She was really good. I totally agree with you, Easton. I was amazed at the way she was able to look at a situation, especially the example I gave her when Easton was like, I don't want to do. And she could shift it and explain how to handle that. I loved this episode. I hope that you found it helpful. I hope that you took away little tidbits. Obviously, we can't be perfect. And I love that she explained, no situation is going to be perfect, but we can add things to our tool belt. So we can add things on how to be better parents, how to handle situations better, how to be more patient, how to communicate better. And I love that she explained that, that it really is a journey. And those are all things that we can add over time. So again, if the episode was helpful, please share it. And as a mom of young kids, because I'm there, I have, like I said, a three-year-old and a five-year-old. I know it's hard. Being a mother of a toddler Is very rewarding and very, very challenging. So as you try to add some of these things, and I as well try to add these things, I want you and I to both remember. You've been very faithful. I think what she meant is you're doing better than you think you are. All right, until next week.